0: Where am I from? I from Brooklyn. Do you want to make something of that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Thoughts. I'm Katie.
2: And I'm Hamish.
1: Today on the show we've got Professor Gerald Levinson from the University of Maryland. We'll be talking about his intentional historical definition of art.
2: Here are some thoughts on defining art.
0: Okay, um, okay
2: so what are we talking about today then?
0: Well, we're talking about the philosophical approach to the question of what is art, and since I take it, if I understood correctly, that people listening to this podcast—why <laughs> don't people have anything better to do? Uh, <laughs> listening to this podcast are many of them haven't done any aesthetics, and also some of them haven't done any philosophy. So I'm going to try and focus on things that are you know, central and basic, and not get into too much uh, complexity. Uh, so why is it that why is there an issue about what what art is and how what can philosophers do in relation to that issue? Well, basically, it's the the crisis of art in the 20th century that generated this as a significant philosophical problem. That there were conceptions of art that seemed to work well enough in earlier centuries that started not working very well beginning basically the beginning of the 20th century. So, what are some of these older conceptions? If you start with you know Plato and Aristotle, what was their conception of art? And again, I'm, this is very rough. is it not. In a, in a scholarly way, accurate. But the idea of uh, imitation, or that the, the artist making images or pictures or representations of things, and they may be good or bad, uh, but they should try to be realistic and maybe try to be morally uh, beneficial. But uh, so art is basically representational, imitational. That obviously doesn't doesn't have any use if you're talking about abstract art. Let's say visual abstract art of the 20th century, which is in full bloom, uh, beginning with uh, Kandinsky and Mondrian and a guy I'm very fond of that not many people know about, named Kupka, a Czech artist. Um, And then if you just think about music, and it isn't music with words or a, a, a story connected with it, that's also sort of abstract art. So it's just not clear that it's imitating or representing anything. So that idea doesn't seem to work. Another common idea is that artists are concerned with making beautiful things. Well, um, for a long time, this seemed to be true and many of them succeeded in making beautiful things. But after all, there are a lot of beautiful things that aren't artworks. So it isn't as if art has an exclusive connection to beautiful things, but more more seriously, more importantly, a lot of art uh, at at some point seemed to be aimed at something other than being beautiful Sometimes being pointedly non-beautiful in order to express some particular idea or to express some, some sort of emotion or state of mind that is nothing like the state of mind you get when you behold something beautiful that you perceive as beautiful. So um, that doesn't seem to ha- have much uh, yet much in the way of purchase on art in the last couple of centuries. If you're if you're after a comprehensive view. Of what art is, is you can, as comprehensive and broad and inclusive as you can make it? And that is the one of the motivations behind the view that I defend, and of course, behind the views that it's related to, that it historically actually comes from, namely the institutional view and the art world view, or rather in the reverse order. Um, what about expression or, or, or motion? Um, a lot of art has to do with emotion and the expression of emotion, but some art doesn't seem to be. Concerned with that, it seems to be more intellectual, more cold in some way, or more abstract. So, what what does that leave? Traditional ideas? Well, sometimes our art is connected to the idea of skill, especially physically manifested skill of an extraordinary degree—the sort of thing that makes people, you know, their jaws drop when they look at paintings by Rembrandt or or Vermeer. Well, this is true that much art is a is a manifest display of exceptional skill in making things, but a lot of art is not. A lot of art, particularly minimalist art and conceptual art seems to be uh, to, to be flaunting the, the abandonment of anything like making objects to begin with, or, or particularly making objects that show significant skill. And this gives rise to a whole series of sort of jokes along the order of, well, I could have done that. Or, you know, Anyone could have done that, which applies in some sense to uh, some minimal art and some conceptual art. Actually, I'm reminded here of a cartoon I once saw, I think I saved it somewhere. Yeah, one of these uh, cartoon strips with you know, four or five boxes. So you see two guys in the gallery and they're looking at some sort of minimal or conceptual art. And so in the first gallery, the, the guy who's familiar with the thing remains mom. And the other guy says, well, no, my brother could have done that. The second <laughs> room, he says, my three-year-old could have done that. In the third room, he says, my cousin Joe could have done that. <laughs> maybe maybe even throws in his dog. My dog could have done that. <laughs> uh, well, let's leave the dog out of it. So in the last frame, the guy who's been sound says, gee, I guess your family must be very talented. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the philosophical point there, if it wasn't obvious, what is it to do that? You, know, you have to specify that in a full, contextually sensitive way, and then you see that what rather simplified forms or Gestures are doing is different than what you could do by doing something that looks like. And yes, you could become an artist and you could use simple forms, but what they did is not what you can do just by maintaining the look or the pure perceptual properties of what, what you're making fun of.
1: It kind of seems like, um... It's like a lot of modern art seems to be really what's causing problems with these theories. Has anyone just like bit the bullet and been like, you're just not making art? Like, the Duchamp- uh, No,
0: some theories, of course, uh, there are obviously the conservatives, uh, the, the artistically conservative, have simply denied that some of the signature things of 20th century art are art. So people have, there's still people who don't accept that Duchamp's Fontaine, the upside down urinal, is an artwork, or that uh, his says, is a uh, snow shovel leaned up against the wall, which is called in advance of a broken arm, is, a, is an artwork. Now you might you now there a response from be, Well, look, it has a title. Okay, I think titles <laughs> are very important. I once wrote a paper about how important they are. But um, having a title is a sign that something's an artwork. because it doesn't maybe make it an artwork, and it isn't an essential feature of it. But uh, um, yeah, there are a lot of people who don't accept that some of these iconic things uh, that change the, the direction of 20th century art, particularly visual art. <clears> Our <throat> artworks, and of course, is they always cage in the musical sphere, cage examples, um, three minutes and twenty-two seconds. How can that be music? And therefore, how can it be art if there's no sound? Of course, there is sound. There's the sound that happens ambiently and accidentally in whatever place that that performance is happening. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of people do write like people in that way, but they, they, that just seems just sort of retrograde and and. Uh, you know, it's a bit
1: of a I suppose. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, it's like sticking your head in the sand in a way. So what else is left of traditional views? Well, sometimes people like Beardsley, who used to be called the Dean of American Aesthetics, uh, he had an aesthetic view of art. They'd say that something's an artwork if it's intended for aesthetic uh, perception or aesthetic experience. That's not a bad view, but it's just not clear that that's what most of 20th century art, especially visual art, is, seems focused on, unless you have a very... Thin, a very too inclusive view of what aesthetic experience or aesthetic perception involves. Conceptual art also is particularly challenged for that view since conceptual art seems to be cognitively conceptually oriented and not oriented towards perception of aesthetic qualities, uh, of which, which qualities these sort of works often don't have or right? don't have in any obvious way. So much a traditional view. So that's why the world was ready for Arthur Danto. Uh, who uh, offered the uh, art world view of what art is. Let's say that art is something that, well, here, he's never made a canonical version of this, so people have to interpret what he meant exactly. The, it's the art, let's let's start with minimal claims. It's, it's the art world somehow that makes something an artwork. How does it make it that? Well, we'll see that aside from that. Or he sometimes talked about artistic theory. I think there's a sentence like that, that it's the atmosphere of artistic theory around an object that makes it an artwork. Well, then you have to think, well, what is this atmosphere of artistic theory? Where did it come from? Does it come from the atmosphere? <laughs> or does it come from the artist? Does it come from the artwork? Does it emanate from now? Or is it from like critics or curators? You know, all those questions are not clear in, uh, in Danto's suggestion. But what's, what is important in my suggestion is that was the first of the contemporary contemporary meaning. 1950 or later, theories of art that, that didn't try to locate arthood in anything intrinsic or functional, but in, in a sort of relation to something else, to a background theory or background uh, sphere of thinking that could be called an art world or something, something like that. And the, the two successors, the institutional theory and, and uh, the theory I, I uh, try to, I hawk no, tout, I tout the theory I tout, uh, are also relational theories. They abandon the attempt to think that art is consistent, something intrinsic inherent that you can like just see in the form of the structure or the appearance of it. But uh, it consists rather, in it's being related in the right way to something else in the background. And Dickey did have the virtue of making a lot of these things very clear cut and un- understandable in ways that are very vague in Danto. So he, he offered the idea that it was an institution something called the uh, art world institution and Dante never liked that idea so he didn't know except the way Dickey developed his view but at least it's clear it's clear that, uh, that there's an institution or sometimes uh, I think the language of social practice came into Dickey's discussions there's uh, this thing called the art world which is an institution or a social practice and that people do things on behalf of it or in terms of this art world and that's what makes the thing artwork because work you're invited to to see it as part of the art world. Or I've forgotten, let's say you quoted one of Dickie's uh, definitions here. Uh, what is it? Uh, has conferred on it the status of candidate for appreciation by a member of the art world. Okay, now it's time for me to uh, take my wallet open and find next to my social security and Medicare card, my official art world identification card. <laughs> okay, So people have made some Question about that, some of the humor, some of us as who, who is a member of the art World and how much of an official certificate do you need? But anyway, so that was a clear-cut definition. And then it was modified and made, I think, somewhat more interesting and streamlined in, in Dickie's later book, the one that I very harshly criticized. What is that book called? I've forgotten that. So uh, yeah, so one of your questions is so what's wrong with the institutional view? Well, do we really want to think that arthood is something that requires institution, in order to be to be the case, not just to be recognized, but that outside of institutional structures, even something loose like a practice, some there couldn't be an art, couldn't be artwork. So in a couple of places, I just suggest that there could be art outside of institutions, and some of the thought experiments that I offer, some examples of this, of people, naive art makers, who don't have any conception of an art world or of an institution who do certain things that we would recognize as art making, or at least very, very much like art making, and easily assimilable to the idea that they're making art, even though there's a, either in that society, if we talk about primitive societies, maybe there isn't any such institution, or even in our modern world, they're just cut off from that institution. Whatever the art world is, there are certainly people around about no notion of it and don't belong to it, whether or not they have that certificate. And yet it looks like they could be making art. So um, I just, I don't have been convincing, I guess, claim for why you shouldn't think of art as an institution, but it, it just doesn't seem to fit with how I think we would like to think about art. It's something that really is a little more democratically available to any kind of creature, you know, thinks and feels in any kind of way outside of the institutional structures.
1: I remember as well reading, I don't know if this applies to his later version, but the earlier version, Wilhelm's Dilemma was quite a big problem for him, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah. in one of my essays, I've forgotten which one now, even though I just reread them. Oh God, That's, that was painful. <laughs> uh, I do try to take on the four criticisms in Wilhelm's critique and as they apply to my view. But, so he didn't attack my view directly, but clearly you could make similar attacks, and I tried to respond to them. I've forgotten which essay that is in. I think it's it's in Refining Art Historically. Okay, so uh, I haven't written a book to, to defend this theory, but it is laid out in four different essays. So one is called Defining Art Historically. That was followed, I think, after ten years by Refining Art Historically, and then by another five years by Extending Art Historically, and then one I think you have on the Google sheet, which I like, which is the last time I thought seriously about the view and the problems, how to deal with them. Called the, irid- the fancy type, the irreducible the iris- historicality of the concept of art. So, so what is this theory? Yeah, what is this theory? So, yes, in, in relation to what I just recalled, the art world theory of Danto and the institutional theory of Dickey and, and some others. He's not the only one who pushes that. Stephen Davies has been sympathetic to it, and uh, some other people, like name, I can't remember at the moment, also proposed institutional theories. What, what the, the theory I defend, the intentional historical theory of arthood, has in common with them is that it's a relational theory. It says that the, there's nothing inherent in the, in the object that makes it art, but it's the relation of the object to some background in some way. But what I suggest is the background and the relation is different than what the art world theory and what the uh, institutional theory have maintained. What I propose is that the, uh, the thing to which the would be or candidate object has to be related is the history of art, and I don't mean like the history, writing, like in the history book of it, but the, the total collection of things in the past that were artworks or counted as artworks. And, this is important, and the art regards, so I'll get back to that, that, that are accrued in the course of that history, that in, in the relation to which these things are seen or, or, or count as, as art, artworks. So the, the thing in the background that that the object has to be related to is not uh, the art world, it's not an institution, but is the history of art understood concretely. And it's the history of art culture, our Western or maybe even something important, human culture. So that's the thing it's related to is different. And also the relation is different. What's the relation? The relation is something about how the object is put forward, how it's projected, how it's intended to be dealt with. And I use a, a word that is obviously in its normal meaning a little too narrow, but I had to use one word. So I use this word regard. So it's how the thing is projected for regard, but it's important to see that regard, even though it's a somewhat visual word, I don't just mean looking at, that's one kind of regard, but I mean, uh, how a thing is is intended to be taken or dealt with or interpreted or interacted with, or I don't know I have any other synonyms hanging around. (laughs) That's all that's supposed to be included in, or treated, yeah, treated as if it was a patient needed to be cured. Now treated, you now you can treat things that aren't ill. You, know. um, you can treat your friends, that's even a nice kind of treat. Uh, so regard is, uh, should be understood that, uh, that whole range of things, ways we do with the object. Uh, and um, so the thing in the background to which the object has to be related is different than in those pre- predecessor theories and the relation is different. It's being intended for regard in some way that some artwork in the past has been regarded some artwork or artworks or genre of artworks or something like that from the history of art that has accrued up to this point so that's what the uh, theory is and uh, I think you have on the sheet uh, a nice statement from you know, from probably that last article something's a work of art if not only if it is or was intended or projected for overall regard as some prior art is or was correctly regarded
1: would you mind so, explaining slightly more this is my i never fully understand what exactly you mean by like regards or regards it's i know you kind of explained it but could you just explain like a little bit more
0: well, when you're confronted with something, with an object, I use object very broadly as well. Uh, an older aesthetician, a Swedish kind of Jörn Ömeren. He said, well, how does this view Do deal with uh, you know, conceptual art? Well, there's no problem with the dealing with conceptual because I talk about objects, because I mean object in the broadest possible sense, just like I mean regard in a very broad sense. Object is anything you can point to or name or think about that has you know, some kind of identity. Uh, it doesn't have to be a, a physical thing. Uh, okay, so what is it to regard an object? Well, it's to interact with it, look at it, see it, perceive it, deal with it, interpret it, uh, respond to it, take it, construe it, and you know, it's, it's all those things.
1: Sorry, and then in like a complete way, I'm assuming it doesn't have to be like yeah. the same as some like previous artwork was regarded. Yeah. It's going to be like very similar.
0: Well, uh, okay, that's a point you could, clearly pressure could be applied there. But the first thing is, of course, to avoid silly objections like some of the ones that Noel Carroll made to the theory. <laughs> it's particular, you know, a singular uh, way of regarding it is enough to uh, make something uh, an artwork if you, were, you refer back to that. So the, the example is, uh, uh, what what should be regarded to, with attention to its color? Well, traffic signals should be, because otherwise you'll get crashed. So. Crushed on the road, uh, but of course that's not enough to intend something for regard in terms of the, the colors it presents. is not enough to make something an artwork, and to sort of refer back to that is not, it's not enough to make something you now present an artwork. But it has to be some relatively com- complete way of regarding it. So it's true that so paintings are things that are to be regarded for their colors and the, and the combination of colors they present. That's for sure. But it's also lots of other things that go into what it is to regard something as a painting uh, in terms of the uh, uh, sensitivity to what it might be expressing or the, uh, the convincingness of the, of the representation, if it's representational, and the use of the medium and the use or ignoring of the, the constraint that a rectangular frame provides, you know, all sorts of things of that sort. So if you now intend some object, doesn't look like a painting like I don't know what it is, and I guess it would have to be sort of physical, at least perceivable, for that kind of regard, that whole set of regards that are part of what it is to regard something as a painting, then it seems to me pretty clearly that's gonna be an artwork. So what the theory is committed to is that intending something for one of these complete, fairly complete ways of regard that earlier artworks have been accorded correctly or appropriately, that would be enough to make something an artwork. And this it's not this, intending it for just one simple work, like uh, to be looked at, you know, for example, that would be another thing that's even more minimal than that, to be looked at for its color combination. This, um,
2: this uh, word, intend, is also quite important, I suppose, because, I mean, on the face of it almost, it feels like you are almost maybe excluding something like the, the sort of naive art that you talked about being excluded from the art world view.
0: Uh, okay, may I, uh, tell me if I got the question wrong with what you were heading towards? Uh, it's very important, and what's laid out in the first two articles clearly is that there are two modes, basically two modes of art making. One mode of art making is art conscious or art aware art making. But uh, there's another mode of art making, which is art unaware, art unconscious, non conscious. <laughs> you don't make it when you're asleep. Uh, you're not consciously thinking of art at all because you maybe have no conception of the pre-existence of the or prior examples of art or the art history but you're intending your object for a certain way of taking a sort of relatively complete way of taking it or looking at it or viewing it that in fact is in the repertoire of art regards even though you don't know that you don't know that that is part of the not only the stockpile of things that have been artworks in the past, but more specifically, it's the stockpile of art regards that have been accumulated that, that are, 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 are um, what's a good word, normative for a lot of those past artworks. And you, so you if you intend your object for that kind of regard, even though you know nothing about art, history of art or art galleries or museums or anything, then that could be making art. But that's, it's important to see that there are those two modes, the art aware and the art unaware mode
1: yeah is that would that kind of just be how you'd respond to the the martian objection
0: okay now yeah no the martian objection is more more serious uh okay <laughs> uh, now we know of course there was never any civilization on mars but there, there might have been so mars could, could be any any other planet somewhere in some other solar system okay so how can they possibly be making art
2: so if i understand uh, it correctly um you think that maybe other cultures maybe martians could could have been creating art stuff that looks like our kind of art but clearly it's not connected in the right way to the history of of western art our yeah. arts uh, that it needs to be in order to make it art so so we have a problem
0: yeah okay i okay. got that was helpful so what you need is just a liberalization of the idea of a connection to our our art culture and by our art culture i mean the stockpile of things that have accrued as artworks and the stockpile of regards that are appropriately taken to those artworks you know, to, to treat them properly and to get you know the best out of them. Uh, so suppose there are on Mars, they're doing things like like we it seems we want to count as art, and yet they don't seem to have any connection to our art history or to uh, uh, an explicit awareness of the art regards that were part of that, that art history that accrued as ways that are proper to, look at, to to interact with those objects. Okay, the idea is that our concept of art is such that it developed in our culture and it, and it, it arose in our culture. And, and it, when we talk about the history of art, we are talking about the actual concrete Western or even human art culture. Um, but that doesn't mean that our concept can't apply to things that are in another culture or in another planet. So why is it that we do think that those things are, are art that they're doing? It's because what they're doing is presenting objects for the kind of appreciation that are, 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 we recognize that we know are part of our history of art of regards. So there is a connection there it's just it, it doesn't fit the, the initial definition taken you know without a, 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 any uh, charity but it is the connect there is a con- got to be connection with our art our, our history in particular the stockpile art regards that have accrued that it's because they are doing the, that kind of activity they're, they're, they have some kind of practice of presenting objects for that kind of treatment that we think oh yeah okay that's that's making art and it doesn't mean that they have any Knowledge of our art culture, and uh, especially in, in Curry's most you know, <laughs> difficult exam- uh, versions of this criticism, it could be that they could be you know, many millions of years after us or before us or any, any place in time space continuum. Uh, if we recognize that what would be doing, what, what was being done on those places, assuming there are any such, or at least hypothetically, what might have been done in those places. Uh, is art? It's because we're connecting it to the stockpile of art regards in our concrete art history, saying that they they are presenting objects for that kind of attention. So yeah, that's why we call them art. So our concept of art is anchored in our art history and the pool of objects and art regards in our culture. But the concept is applicable elsewhere, of course, uh, in the way I su- suggested. But it doesn't mean that I'm saying that they are when they present objects, they are aware of our art aware of the history of art in, in in on Earth. So that's that's the kind of that's kind of responsive to that objection.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. it
0: was a, a good kind of objection. And you know, it, it means that you know the basic definition in the first article back, back in 79, I guess it isn't quite true of those objects that they fit that definition. But I've explained how there's still a got-to-be connection with the concrete actual history of art in, on, on Earth.
2: And yeah, okay, fantastic. And the, and the other interesting point, people might have problems initially with where the, where the chain ends, where the buck yes. stops. So do you want to talk a little bit about the, the first art?
0: Yeah, I'll talk about that. But here again, I've, I've tried different gambits. And I don't even remember them all exactly. And, and, I, and occasionally I take back some of them. Like one thing I think I said in one of the articles that I've taken back is that something could acquire art status retroactively. I think that's probably not true. That's that's not a good move. That's much too postmodern for me, actually, so I shouldn't shouldn't have said that. What, ha- what happens is that, of course, sometimes the, objects that are not art can be treated as if they were art. So this is true of a lot of objects that curators put in art museums. Because they say, like those objects, and they have aesthetic properties, and they're not curators of uh, ethnographic museums, so they say, oh, right, yeah, I'll put it in my museum. No, it's an art museum. That's a little dishonest, but of course, there's a lot of that going on uh, but it, the fact that something has aesthetic properties maybe better than the average work of art doesn't mean it is automatically an artwork uh, there are some uh, objects like that there are objects that are made for purely ritual purposes or for uh, 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 achieving some kind of solidarity of the, of the group or getting people worked up so they can be more effective warriors there are some objects like that that's what, what they were about and really that's all they were about pretty much. And yet they do have, incidentally, because they're made by talented people, aesthetically interesting properties, but that's not enough to make them artworks. But curators sometimes present those objects as if as if they were artworks, or they or there's claim they are artworks, whereas all, all they're really entitled to say is that if we took them to be artworks, we would be as artistically successful as a lot of artworks, which are literally our artworks. So, you know, why don't you treat it as an artwork? But they don't, they don't they're not that refined. I mean, they just say this is an artwork. But uh, I think in some cases they're just wrong that's an artwork. But there was no harm in seeing something as if it were an artwork and deriving what aesthetic pleasure you can get out of that. But they're not quite as honest as that in some cases. So that's different than uh, whether any of the post Duchampian uh, appropriationist art uh, objects can be art. Obviously, they can. Anything can be art. That's the problem. Well, well, what' makes defining art so difficult uh, that uh, any 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 actual material or object or physical or not can can become the core of an, of an artwork. So let me get back to where we were and uh, it's this, this first uh, art issue. Oh yeah, yeah the first see but that's yeah so um, I've tried different gamuts I'm not sure which are the best but in one one of the essays I think I, I think I can see that clearly by the basic definition, if first art is art, it's not it doesn't fit the basic definition because it's not making a backward reference to something that was earlier art because it's making backward reference to the er arts which are not art. Okay, so how can we solve this problem? Well, we could just declare or stipulate that er arts are art. And what that, do we mean by er arts? The the things that preceded first art. Um, so for for
2: example, it could be. Uh these things you were describing before in the ethnographic museum.
0: Yeah, it could be. So some of those things could be our art. And people have made something and say, well, look at the way you looked at that thing, but actually you look at it for its form and its quality quality as well, not just the practical purpose that it was made for. So that, okay, but so there are different things you can say. And uh, uh, so one concession would be to say, well, there are really two slightly different ways to be in our work. one that covers 99.9% cases, namely uh, that it's uh, something you uh, intend for sort of treatment That something earlier that was art, was acknowledged as art had received correctly. And then there there are these things called first art, which are art in some other way, for some other reason, not for that reason, because they don't have an earlier art to refer to. So why are we making this exception? Well, without considering first art to be art, then of course you can't get the whole chain going. So why is it first art? Well, it's because the theory needs to be, be first art. Uh, I mean, no, let's say a more serious answer is something like it's sort of retroactive, but I, I think not, not viciously that uh, we, we see that, that there were these chains in history of backward reference and that there are there's a place where this, these chains begin. And these chains are chains of artworks because they are, all the later things are recognized to be artworks. So, there is this earliest part of the chain where there's a backward reference to something else, but that isn't art. And yet, let's just say that the beginning that is that is art because it is the beginning of this chain of backward references, backward referencing for art making, where what is backward referenced is a proto artwork, but isn't actually an art. I mean, arts. Um, So that's a little messiness you have to accept. But let me go to a point I made at the beginning of, of, of our discussion that I don't, what things you say about art or Fur, don't really matter. What it really matters is what does we mean by making art now? And the fact that you have different ways of finessing, more or less convincing the status of art and first art and why first art is art and Urard isn't quite, but it's still a central thing in the, in the story. Doesn't affect the fact that now, when you say that something is art, there's nothing you could mean except what's given by the basic definition, because there's no constraint on what, intrinsically on what can be an artwork. So what what makes it art? Well, it's that you want people to somehow connect it to pre-existing art. How, What somehow? Well, that's, you know, you want this regarded in something like the way that some earlier art was regarded. Uh, Here's a point I make, which I haven't mentioned before in our discussion today. Uh, Sometimes in the case of very very revolutionary art, the idea is to get beyond all the past ways of regarding art, but there has to be an initial gesture towards them. Otherwise you can't get it to be taken up as art at all. But your intent may be that, that you'll see that no previous way of looking at our works is adequate to this, or it makes any sense for why, why I presented this sort of thing, whatever it is, but you have to start there. Otherwise there's no, no sense in which you're making art. You have to connect to the tradition, even if your intent is your idea is to overthrow it or, 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 or revolutionize it. Um, this
2: has been uh, a fantastic discussion. It's so interesting to hear the theory from the horse's mouth. And it is very convincing. I asked to be said, um, Kate, do you want to even ask what grinds your gears?
1: Yeah, sure. You know, the final question was just what in philosophy grinds your gears slash, oh, yeah, yeah. slash PG? <laughs>
0: um, what grinds my gears? That an empirical philosophy is going to replace uh, speculative or thought centered philosophy. Uh, and especially this, this kind of attitude on the part of, uh, of psychologists uh, to, as in regards to aesthetics, I think that all the questions of aesthetics will be answered by uh, psychological experiments.
2: But uh, I mean, you have to admit, it's quite an attractive idea that, you know, you know, because science does seem to be constantly expanding. You're, you're a chemist yourself um, and explaining all of these things that we before couldn't. So why, why do you hate that idea so much?
0: No, I don't hear that. I just think that it shouldn't be taken too far. I mean, one, one thing I've written somewhere uh, shows that clearly that psychological research can be relevant to, to philosophical aesthetics. The, one, the most obvious way to me is that um, in aesthetics, uh, some of our issues are normative, not just the descriptive. So you might recommend that people appreciate or perceive things in a certain way. But what if psychological research shows that people cannot perceive things in that way? I mean, I have in mind the things I've written about, about long, long uh, large scale synoptic appreciation of works of music, you know, symphonies that are an hour and a half long. Is this possible? And so if, if psychological shows that you can't, people can't really have that kind of grasp of, of, uh, of a temporal object beyond, you know, a few minutes, um, uh, then, then it's, it's, it's silly for us to have an aesthetic prescription that you should try to, uh, try to when you listen to a symphony, you should try to have a synoptic vision of the whole symphony while you're listening to it. That, it. that if it's psychologically impossible, it's obviously silly to make that an aesthetic prescription. So that's one obvious way in which psychological research can be relevant to at least the normative part of aesthetics. Uh, it's going to put limits on what we think is an appropriate critical or aesthetic attitude to take towards, towards works. But there's lots of other ways in which just uh, psychological research is relevant. It's just that psychological research doesn't answer all the analytical, conceptual, normal questions uh, that aestheticians, philosophers uh, of art uh, are interested in, rightly so.
2: Thank you so much for speaking with us today. And hopefully you'll come back on the podcast sometime soon. I hope
0: I was today. Oh, well, you but... absolutely were.
1: Thank you very much.
2: Thank you everybody so much for listening.
1: Remember to follow us on Facebook at ThoughtsUFG and on Twitter and Instagram at thoughts underscore U of G.
2: We'll see everybody next week.